more than conquerors, shout it. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's not in myself. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us and all these things. And you can go ahead if you want. I, hopefully you've got some sermon notes there. Go ahead and write your things down. And all these things, what are the things? The things that you believe are conquering you. The persecution, the trouble, the hardship, the difficulty, and all these things, uh, we're more than conquerors. And so our heavy focus is this direction, Joshua 1 and 9. Anybody got the bracelet? Because I got another 100 back there, I believe. Uh, I keep giving them away. Be strong. Shout it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I've looked at this in so many versions uh, of the Bible. I, I want to remind you of the, the journey here. Uh, I taught this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the journey that is specifically lined up for us. This uh, bondage, deliverance. Uh, miraculous deliverance, covenant making at Mount Sinai, testing, and after testing, uh, the uh, taking possession, crossing the, the, the Jordan, taking possession of the promises of God. So it's, it's just so very clear when we walk. However, I want to be careful in telling you this because you might say, well, I'm finished with the testing. How many have went through some tests? Anybody gone through some tests? Because there are tests. And as we have walked into the book of Judges out of the book of Joshua, one of the things that we find is there's, there's testing. It's like, I'm going through this testing so my children don't have to. Come on, brothers and sisters. You know that's not the truth, right? Uh, you don't want your children to be tested. But you know your kids are going to be tested. And your grandkids are going to be tested. They need to know the Lord Jesus, right? They, they need to know that they're going to go through this. And, and not only that, it's not always so precise. The precision of it. Okay, I'm in covenant. Now I'm in testing. Uh, I don't ever need to go back and renew my covenant. How many know you need to go back and renew your covenant? Anybody? I, I know I need to know that my Redeemer lives. I know that I'm saved. But I also need to have this great understanding that I need to constantly keep that covenant renewal. That's the reason the Lord Jesus, with the supper of the Lord, remember this? He said, I want you, when you get together, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to eat. I want you to remember me. And I'm saying you don't have to have a piece of unleavened bread. You can take a biscuit and a glass of iced tea. Come on. Just when you are sitting down, don't ever forget Jesus and what he's done. Keep renewing, right? Keep renewing the covenant. So today, amazingly enough, we're going with this battle cry. Somebody shout strong and courageous. Shout it. Strong and courageous. Today we're going to talk about conquering your fears. Woo! Anybody need it? Conquering your fears. Continually looking at Joshua 1 and 9. Uh, again, the context of this entire large section of Scripture is is obtaining the blessing of God. Uh, and if you're going to obtain what God's chosen for you, you're going to have to overcome fear. This is, and, and again, this statement in Joshua 1 and 9, this does not take place uh, during the battle or a few weeks before the battle. Joshua 1 and 9 is a restatement of what we hear in Deuteronomy. It is from God to Moses. It is, it is from Moses to Joshua. It is from the Lord to Joshua, it is from the people to Joshua, it is from Joshua to Joshua, encouraging himself. So I need to be able to say this. Here's a prime directive from heaven. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Shout it. Be strong and courageous. This is a this is power word. This is also a battle cry, but it's a battle cry not just when you're going with a sword in your hand. It's a daily battle cry. I need to get up in the morning and look myself in the mirror. How many have ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, "Do I really look like this?" And not you guys, just me. 
And I have to say, you know, be strong and courageous. Sometimes when I don't necessarily want to face the people that I'm about to face, when I don't want to face the conflict, and, and I know conflict avoidance is one of our great struggles, right? Because we're afraid of what might happen. I don't enjoy it. But what we found out is that through conflict, we get all these victories. That if we will face our conflict rather than ignoring them and we'll face them with strength and courage, then God will change things in our life. So this is not just a statement of war. It's about, it is a statement of perpetual hope no matter what you're facing. And today is one of those days. I mean, if, if I, I, I don't necessarily like watching the news, but sometimes you can't help it. It shows up on every social media feed. Uh, and we... We understand this, right? Because it was just May 31st. That was not too long ago that we experienced uh, the devastation of shootings in our own city. Uh, not far from where we live, right? Just around the corner. All of us have been to the courthouse at one time or another and we lost friends. And many of our congregation were devastated by what took place on May 31st at the tragedy uh, at, at, down, at, 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 here in Virginia Beach. Your neighbor, some of your neighbors passed away. And now, you know, we, we uh, last evening I heard of the, the, the shootings at, in El Paso. 20 individuals were killed in El Paso. And then it came back home to me because our ministry, uh, when Diane and I first started, was all around the Dayton area. We started in Xenia, Ohio, which is pretty much a suburb of Dayton. Uh, I was thinking of the hospital where... Uh, if you haven't read the headlines, I'm not trying to depress you, but in the ho that, that particular hospital, I had my appendix out at the hospital uh, when I was just a little boy uh, at the hospital where they are taking care of the wounded of all those that were shot uh, last night in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I believe it's nine that were killed there. And I, I look at that and how do you respond to this? I mean, really, how do you respond to this? How do you respond to these stories? Now here, overall, just so you know, overall, there's not shootings every place, okay? But these are, these are drastic situations. kind of makes you want to just stay in your house, you know, just kind of build your house as a fortress and just kind of live looking over your shoulder constantly. But, but I want you to know that it is not God's plan for you to live in fear. Amen. But we could pray right now, couldn't we? Can we do that? Can we take a moment for those of us who have been in, 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 impacted by such an event? Father, come on, let's pray. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we come to you and we ask that you would comfort those who have lost loved ones. We ask, Lord Jesus, that uh, you would be with them. And we pray, Lord, for these cities. Uh, we pray, dear God, that they would be strong as you have called us to be strong during this time. We pray, Lord, that... You would bring strength to El Paso and we pray that you bring strength to Dayton. And we pray, Father, that people out of the, the struggle would be drawn to you and they would call upon your name and you would leverage what the enemy meant for evil to bring about healing and peace and faith. Touch those who have been wounded and heal their bodies. Be with the first responders, we ask. Touch these cities in Jesus' name, we ask. Somebody shout amen. 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 All right, I told you this at the beginning of the message, but I, I want to tell you again, just so you'll get this. Sometimes when I look at the Bible, we have this tendency to just look at it for its rules, right? Like, what does the Bible say about that? And I'm not saying that that's bad. Uh, what I'm telling you is, is that the Bible is more than a rule book. It's a hope book. You need to shout amen there. It's a hope book. How do you respond to some of these moments in your life? I'm telling you that I love the Bible. I love the teachings of the Bible. I love the commands of the Lord. But my understanding of them is beautiful. They're wonderful directions. Uh, we were driving back from Cooperstown because we were there for baseball with the family. Watching Malachi play baseball. That's good times, brothers and sisters. All right. But on our way back, we were having to drive down the, the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Anybody been there before? But before we got there, we had to cut through some mountains and things like that. And our ways chose not to work. Anybody remember we used to have maps? Anybody remember we used to have maps? Come on, anybody still have maps in your car? Come on, where are my old people in the house still got some maps like I do? All right? So I got some maps. Just, you know, just back up. But ways wasn't working, so we had to fall back on Google Maps. 
and the navigation system in the car that was there, but I like my ways because it kind of works me through the back roads and things of that nature. I need directions, right? I need, but really the directions kind of bring me hope. That's what it is, that I'm going to get to the place where I intend to go. So, so you see, Joshua is all about obtaining the promise, about acquiring something that generations before had been promised. I mean, you, his great-great-grandparents had said this, that, that God has a plan for them. So he's wanting to bring people to the place of promise and settle into the place of promise. And then, so we studied that in the book of Joshua, the, uh, the acquisition of the promised land. And then there is this massive failure uh, in the book of Judges. Oh, Judges, over and over again, there is failure and then deliverance. There is failure and then deliverance. There is failure and then deliverance. How many would shout, God is good? God is good. In fact, God is good. Come on, come on. He is good, what? I love, uh, again, you know, my inspiration is my life. So uh, anybody eat out on occasion? Anybody do that? All right. How many have ever ate out and somebody else picked up the tab? That's a good day. Come on. That's, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does it make the food taste a little bit better? Like, I don't know what they put on this food, but free really tastes good. But it's also good. To pick up the tab. Anybody ever picked up the tab before? Don't go out to eat with me. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to that sort of thing. But I will let you buy, just so you know. Uh, I, what, what I'm saying is, I like being with generous people. Does anybody enjoy that? I mean, it just makes everything a little bit better. Just being with generous with their love, generous with their joy, generous with their hope. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Just generous people. Our purpose in these teachings are ultimately to remain strong and courageous. Uh, but, but here's the deal. We serve a generous God. Yeah. Right? We serve a loving and a generous and a, a, a faithful God. And one of the things that that does for us is it causes us, it calls us to, to remember that God is generous. And out of that, I constantly have hope. I hope and anticipate that I will live a life with the expectation of blessing. You know, the Bible says a lot about God. It says a lot about His character and His characteristics. But if you study His character, if you study who God is, you quickly find out that God is incurably generous and wants to bless us and show His love and His power in your life. But the great enemy of the weapon, uh, the great weapon of the enemy is fear. So today, we want to focus on conquering fear. You need to take some notes today. Conquering, say it, conquering fear. Again, if you did not know, I left town early last week uh, to go uh, to Cooperstown to watch some baseball, which anytime you're with your family and watching baseball, is that a good day? Yes. Especially with your grandson. But we had to, we turned on our waves to head to upstate New York, taking a drive, and uh, you could just see it in my wife's face. Gonna have to go over something called the bridge tunnel. Say that for a moment, bridge tunnel. Is that not an oxymoron? You're gonna have to, it's a bridge tunnel. So is it a bridge or is it a tunnel? It's not a bridge. It's a bridge tunnel. It's not a tunnel. It's a tunnel bridge. In fact, if anybody been over the bridge tunnel, it costs about 18 bucks, I guess. And you, first of all, you go over the water and then you go under the water. Who came up with that idea? Going underwater to get someplace. And has anybody ever, I mean, if you live around here, you've been through some tunnels. You've been through the tunnel down, you know, downtown tunnel and the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel and the Monitor Merrimack Bridge Tunnel and the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. You've been that. But even if you don't live there, some of you know what I'm talking about. In life, you will have to go over some bridges and you'll have to go through some tunnels. There are going to be some high places. There are going to be some dark places. And some people don't like bridges and they're fine with tunnels and some people don't like tunnels and they're fine with bridges. 
I believe much of what we see in life is heavily connected to your perspective. If you're looking for God to bless you, you'll see his blessing in the bridge. And you'll also find his blessing in the tunnels. Come on. Uh, I uh, thought Malachi, would you like to help me for a minute, Malachi? Let's welcome Malachi. All right, so he's here. He's got to help me preach. So, uh, did you enjoy baseball? Yeah. Did you like it? So, uh, man, it's so cool to have you here. And I just want to, you know, I don't know where you got that shirt, but that is like the coolest <laughs> shirt ever. All right. So, uh, also, just so you know, that movie, Door of the Explorer, is coming out this weekend. All right. It's And uh, in the first part of that movie, you'll see him in it. All right. Young Diego. So, uh but he's really great at baseball, right? Okay, so we got some balls that, these are balls, all right? And, and we're going to throw them in this section of the building only. All right, is that okay? Is that acceptable? We're going to throw balls into this section of the building only. Do you want to catch a ball? We're only throwing them in this section of the building. So these balls will be thrown by Malachi. They're, you can also throw them in your pool. They're kind of spongy, okay, just so you know, okay? Just so you know, all right? Are you ready? We're only throwing them in this section of the building. So if you want a chance of catching one of these, we're only throwing them in this. Did I say that? In this section of the building in this area and I've seen him pitch before alright you like the pitch right amazing first baseman in fact his coach said and, and you know and he's played pro, pro ball his coach said he's never seen a better 12 year old first baseman ever alright and I've watched him I'm telling you he's got the footwork and the arm baby he's got the arm alright but we're only throwing them in this section of the building so you all understand what that means, right? You all get this? And you all understand that, right? Are you ready? Go ahead. Go ahead. You ready? Boom! That, and these are not baseballs. These are soft and... What? We're only throwing them in this section of the building here. What? Boom! I think they seem to be falling up towards the front section of this building. I got two more. Oh, look. Did you catch that and hand it? Okay, last one. Here we go. Better scream. Whoa! Malachi Martin, baseball. This really hit me because we were uh, we were we were playing we were watching them play baseball and uh, I mean they got I don't know if you've been to Dreams Park before but it's amazing and uh, I mean a lot of people hit balls over the fence or foul massive foul balls and there's a community of people that are outside every ballpark area I don't know how many there are there I mean there's so many but there's a community of people that are there for one thing to catch the balls that are fouled out to catch the balls that go over the fence, okay? So here, here's the deal. God wants to bless his children. We should position ourselves for the blessing. All right? So I'm saying, I'm saying, the balls are coming in this section of the building. And I know this because I have thrown stuff at you in the middle of my messages before. And I'll throw some over here. People sitting over there say, Pastor, why don't you throw it over here? And so I'll throw it over to him. Hey, what about us back here? Okay, so here's what I told you. I told you we're going to throw the balls in this direction. So you all shouldn't be complaining. And you guys shouldn't be complaining. All right? What I'm telling you is we need to get in the position of our lives to receive the blessing of God. And I told you uh, the rules. But I also told you this. Now, the problem is I couldn't. What I should have done is thrown like 
uh, 100 balls out there. All right. Because God is that kind of God. Uh, if, if you want to see how God looks at blessing, Genesis chapter 127, the Bible says God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, listen, listen to what he says. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Did you hear that? Yep, yeah. Some of you look at, hear that statement and you feel like God just made a rule. No, that, he was, well, this is a blessing. He is saying, be fruitful. Multiply. Be blessed in your life. That's what he's saying. Subdue. Don't be dominated. I want to bless you. Anybody receive what I'm telling you right now? So that was a blessing. The Bible doesn't say he looked at me and he ordered them, now get yourself out there and multiply and catch fish. That's not what he's saying. Okay. What he's saying is be fruitful. I'm blessing you. I, I want to I bless your life. And then if you, how many have ever read a Bible? If you've ever read a Bible, you know that the word of God is filled with blessing. However, even though God wants to bless, he is gracious and merciful. Not everyone receives the full extent of the blessings that God offers. Because when you get in the field, when you live according to his word in a relationship with God, it leads to an experience of supernatural goodness in your life. We, we went over the scripture in Romans chapter 15 and 4. Uh, which gives us the directions on how that we should read the word of God. When you're reading the Old Testament, remember this. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patient, through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have. Did you get that last word? Hope. So when you're reading the word of God, you need to read it with an eye for hope. When we read about Joshua, when we read in the, the stories of Judges, Remember, the old Bible stories are given to you so that you will have constant, what is it? Hope. This worship gathering is supposed to give you hope. It gives you guidance for experiencing God's blessings. So if you're here and you leave feeling worthless and hopeless, then you've just walked through a giant exercise in missing the whole point. If you read the Word of God and you just walk away shaking your head and you say, nothing's ever going to go... Listen, you just missed the point because the point of the Bible, the point of God is to give you hope, to give you anticipation of God's blessing. Hope is not a message we move on from. We just keep learning new things about it. And freedom is a place where you get free. Somebody praise God for that. It's, it's where people live free. Our culture seems to be full of hopelessness. That tells you just to identify in the mess you are in and stay that way. God's word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The scripture is filled with freedom. It's filled with hope. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You can read these with me in 1 Peter 1. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven from you. In Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants the Holy Spirit. Man, I got the Holy Spirit. I, it just wears me out when people who say they're full of the Holy Spirit are so hopeless. It just, it's just creepy. It's like, oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Then why are you so filled with all of the anxiety? I'm saying God's word has been sent. The Holy Spirit has been sent to fill us with hope. And of course, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So all of this, all of this weariness, where does it come from? It comes from living a hopeless life, which is perpetuated by the enemy, constantly trying to steal your hope. I love being at freedom and... Um, Here's what I want. I want all of us to walk in strength and courage. Amen. Not just on Sunday so I get a lot of amens. Amen. I want all of us to walk in strength and courage. And 
I want this to be more than a sermon. I want this to be a movement. Are you with me on this? I want us to be a movement. I want us to infiltrate a broken entire community of people. And I want to take over the community with hope. Anybody with me on this? I want people. Have you ever met people that are just tired and weary? You see them every day that just, oh, nothing's going to work. And they're just tired and wounded. And, and we've had so much discussion, uh, sat with a lot of folks over the last few weeks talking about the future. I want us to reach and love and heal people. I want to see the broken and the hurting, etc. I want to see all of those individuals running to this house with the expectation that they will be loved, that they can be transformed, that they can be healed. I want the world to experience the hope of Jesus Christ again. Yeah, praise God. What's it going to take? Hope. So today we're just going to deal with embracing this. But here's, here's what we haven't conquered yet. In order to have hope, you have to conquer fear. And that was a big part of Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. But then he stops. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When you are in a state of spiritual weaknesses, weakness, most of the decisions we make are propelled by fear rather than hope. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's dangerous. That's I, I actually I heard myself use the word careful. Say the word careful. careful. I'm full. I'm all for care, being careful, right? Anybody like that? I mean, lock your doors before you go to bed. Anybody lock your doors? Yeah. Okay. All right. A lot of people didn't raise their hand. I'm taking notes. Right. <laughs> lock your doors. You know, protect your family. Be careful. Because I, I did a lot of driving this week. Anybody in, in driving? How many know you got to be careful when you drive? All right, but you also need to get out of the way. There are some people so careful that they could cause an accident. Like, don't don't drive 45 miles an hour when the speed limit is 55. Go go another way. Can I get a yes from someone? Every every year uh, around the 4th of July, all right, I noticed my Ocean Lake sign says, have a safe 4th of July. And I'm saying, why don't you write, have a fun 4th of July? Right? Be careful. Don't get hurt. How many know that God is a God of healing? Anybody know that? So whatever's going on in your life, be careful that you're not propelled more by fear than hope. You know you're propelled more by fear than hope when... You make decisions that move you back rather than move you forward. You know what that looks like? When you're spending your life running away from things rather than running towards them. Or you're guilty of massive procrastination. People say, I'm a procrastinator. Usually procrastination is connected to fear. Did I tell somebody something they needed to know just now? You spend your life cleaning the house again rather than sitting down and having the deep conversation you need to have with your spouse. I talk right now, but I got to mow the grass. You go out of your way not to do something that makes you uncomfortable, even though it's the next step towards purpose and healing and joy. Or or thirdly, your decisions are easily swayed by confrontation. Your fear is so strong that you constantly question even your best decisions. Why do you keep flip-flopping in your resolve? Yeah, I'm going to do this. No, I'm not. It's fear. And here's, here's one more. Your normal is a bad gut feeling. I just have a bad gut feeling about this. I just have a bad gut feeling about today. I have a bad gut feeling. Maybe you need to deal with your guts. Come on. Medical science is now telling us that you can get sicker based on being afraid of what you're going to eat than actually eating it. Pause. I'm not telling you to go home and have five pizzas before you go to bed. I'm I'm just saying, stop living in a constant state of fear. You're so afraid, so panicky, so superstitious. You're checking your astrology. You're rubbing your crystals. 
so afraid. That's, that's, what, that's what psychics deal in. Okay? Amen. I just got to know what, what about, about I, need, I just need to know about Sagittarius's today. No, you don't. You could rip all of that piece of paper up and use it for fire in your backyard fire pit and have s'mores. Somebody shout amen for s'mores. We were sitting with parents watching the games and a grasshopper came in and one of the ladies said, there's a grasshopper. That's a sign of good luck because grasshoppers always move forward. How many ever mow your grass? Grasshoppers are not a sign of good luck. I have ran over some grasshoppers that wish they could move back. All right? I just sat there and gritted my teeth. I wanted to step on the grasshoppers so bad, but... It's true. Fear is dangerous. It's horrible for your health. It's debilitating to you. It's known to be very bad for you physiologically, psychologically. It's literally destructive to your brain. Strokes, heart attacks often trace their origination not just to your fear, but to fear in your past. Your grandparents' fear, your father's fear, everybody else that lived in fear. Some people are afraid because I just told you about fear. I know I'm telling you this because my doctor asked the question, tell me, do you have heart attacks in your family? And I go, yes! Sometimes it's truly frustrating. Religion doesn't seem to be making a difference for people. It almost sometimes creates more fear in people to cause them to toe the line. I mean, in Europe, in Europe today, here's the stats. In Europe, less than 10% of people identify as Christians. If you were a politician and only 10% of the people were supporting you, you might want to go back and rethink your message. Amen. Come on. The Word of God is filled with the message of hope. And how many times does the Word of God say, fear not, don't fear, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'll never leave you. And sometimes as Christians we begin with the message, be afraid, be very, 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 very afraid, now come and pray. We need to renew our friendship with the God of hope. We need to learn how to position ourselves with the expectation of blessing. You're, come on, tell somebody, you're going to get through this. We still have hope. Rather than to live our lives as if God is an angry landlord ready to spew us out of his mouth. If we play the wrong music too loud, we need to sing. God is a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Come on, Romans 8, 15. You did not receive the spirit again to fear, but you received the sonship, the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry. Shout it. Abba, Father. Affectionate daddy father. There were no gods in that day that were called Abba Father. None. No one, no one called their God a loving father. That's very radical. Here's, here's what God is saying. There in Joshua 1 and 9. Have, have, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Okay, I'm going to be strong and of good courage. What's, what's the stopping point? Here's the enemy of your strength and courage. Fear and discouragement. When you walk with the God of hope. You should be ready to experience his best. You need to let go of your old companion fear. You need hope of everlasting life. Are you with me? How many of nobody did anything great in this world by living in fear? Right? Come on. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, the man, of course, he, 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 got, he was assassinated. He got shot. Right? But how many know he kept walking even? Come on. He kept walking. He kept moving forward. He kept marching because... He could not allow his fear to control his future. Come on, Abraham Lincoln, you say, yeah, he got assassinated. He, come on, somebody thank God for Abe Lincoln. Somebody praise God for a man that even when everybody was fighting against him, went ahead and made a stand. Like a guy like Winston Churchill who fearlessly faced down Hitler. We need that kind of spirit in the church. I know that my God is alive. I'm not going to be afraid of death. I'm not going to be afraid of these things. I'm going to move forward with hope in the Lord Jesus to fulfill God's purpose for my life. So, here's what I found about anxiety personally. It causes you to miss out on life. 
Amen. Am I right? Yes. It, it tells you not to do the things that your heart says you love. And then just as soon as you surrender that, then anxiety gives you something else not to do. Come on. How many know I'm telling you the truth? Fear. I can't do this because of fear. Now I can't do this because of fear. Now I can't do this because of fear. Preach, Pastor Ricky. Come on. You hear me? So I have found in my life when anxiety tells me not to do something, hope tells me that's exactly what I need to do. So just let me show you how this plays out in the Bible. Whenever you have a spirit of fear, it's really simple. You need to renew, get this, renew your relationship with your loving God because there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. I'll get back to that scripture in a moment. I, I, I started taking you in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. So I'm just going to preach that whole book really quick. All right. The whole book of Judges. It's basically Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. What did they do? They positioned themselves outside of the area where the blessing was falling. Okay. They just stopped trusting the Lord who had fed them clothed them and healed them and provided for them. The Baals and the Asherahs, basically those are gods that they ran after because of fear. Fear and dismay are worship terms. It is bowing. It is laying on your face. They begin to call upon them because they decided that the same God who gave them manna in the wilderness was not capable of giving them rain in the promised land. All right. How many of you, have you ever experienced that before? How many have experienced God's blessing? Anybody experienced God's blessing? He blessed me in the past, but he won't bless me in the future. So I'm going to have to find new ways of getting my blessing. So out of that, they end up in constant trouble. They are bombarded by individuals, by kings and kingdoms that test them. And out of these tests, they end up placing the nation in bondage. Do you hear this? So we have, uh, they cry out to God. I've told you about that. Remember the first part of crying out to God? Crying out to God doesn't mean you know God. It just means you're desperate and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Ah! That's what crying out to God says. Help me! Okay, it doesn't have to have any theology or anything connected to it. It's like, have you read the Bible? No! But I don't like where I am right now. That's a good prayer. All right? So they're crying out to God and God sends them a deliverer and that deliverer has these great seeds. Now, now it happened. It so happened that they, they moved to different areas according to their tribes. But when one tribe gets attacked, all the tribes come together. Come on, Church of Jesus Christ. We need to work together here. So so we have these different judges. One is Othniel. OK, uh, he, Othniel uh, is, is raised up. He is. The nephew, the great nephew of Caleb, all right? Uh, and he was raised up as the deliverer, and he saved the nation of, of Israel. And, and, and the message is simply uh, this man who had generational blessing in his life, his great uncle Caleb. Remember that 85-year-old man who looked at a mountain filled with giants and said, I'll take that one. I'm still tough enough to do that. I love that guy. The closer I get to 85, the more I want to talk smack. I do. I just want to... <laughs> I'm 85. Mess with me. Uh, and he says, give me this mountain. So here, here's the message from Othniel. A fearless life should be the inheritance of your children. Come on. Our kids are watching us. Come on. All of us. So they're going to learn from your forward momentum or your constant retreat. And then we have Ehud, which is one of my favorites. See, look at me run through these stories. Ehud, the left-handed assassin in Judges 3.15. I didn't write Ehud up there. I should have done that. Ehud, E-H-U-D. I don't hear anybody named Ehud anymore. But uh, uh, the Israelites cried out to the Lord again. He raises up one man, Ehud. He's a left-handed man. Got any left-handed people in the room? Okay. He takes a small double-edged sword. It's about a foot long. Hides it uh, uh, by his right thigh. Sneaks in to the king's house and says, I have a message from the Lord for you. Amen. Okay, anyway, that's the story. If you Judges is disturbing. The whole story is, okay? So the nation 
Here's, here's the story. The nation can be saved by one man who's not afraid to face down fear. That's the message. The nation can be saved. Come on. You hear me? People say, what's going on in our nation? It needs some people that are not afraid. Amen. Shamgar. I love him. Shamgar. Another crazy name. After Ehud. This is the only scripture about Shamgar. Shamgar, son of Anath, struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. God raised him up as a judge. You know what an ox goat is? It's a stick. He beat the Philistines with a stick. So the whole story, it's a reminder. It kind of looks back at Moses. Here's what happens. Anybody remember Moses? Before Moses went back to uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go, he says, you know, what am I going to do? And God says to Moses, how how am I going to prove myself? And he says, what's in your hand? Moses looks down. Stick. Throw it down on the ground. He throws it down on the ground. It turns into a snake, snake, a serpent. He says, I'll pick it up again. Some of you would have stopped right there. (laughs) God, you don't know me very well, do you? Right? He had to reach down and pick it back up. When he picked it back up, it turned back into a stick. All right? And that's one of the things that Moses is going to do when he faces down Pharaoh. Hear me. Hear me. I'm going to ask you this question. All right. If you're going to live fearlessly, I want to ask you, what's in your hand? What's in your possession? What's in your life? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What do you hear what I'm saying? Use them for the Lord. Amen. Come on, go ahead. Don't be afraid. Trust the Lord. And then this, this last one, it's not the last one in the book, but the Gideon, the Gideon, remember Gideon? Uh, there are 135,000 uh, Midianites that are surrounding them. They're coming after them. And, and an angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak. And, and Oprah, that's not, that's not Oprah, that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. So he's threshing wheat in a wine press. He's hiding to thresh the wheat because the Midianites have attacked them and destroyed them. So now they are hiding in the... Pro- they, come on, they came to a land of promise. And now he is hiding in the promise. He's hiding. And Gideon and, and the angel said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are all those wonders that our fathers told us about? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength. Does that sound like strength and courage? Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But, but Lord, Gideon said, have I not? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. We're, we're really a small clan and I'm the smallest. The Lord said, I will be with you. Does that sound like Joshua 1 and 9? I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites and no and and you will strike down all the Midianites together your clan is going to strike them all down together so you know the Gideon story anybody remember the Gideon story uh, he opens up with all of these soldiers uh, the messages you have too many soldiers and <clears throat> so he takes all of the soldiers and gathers them together and he says guys if anybody's afraid and doesn't want to go to fight you can leave right now and uh, so 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. So he had 32,000 said, if anybody's afraid, you can go home right now. And they left. And God says, uh, that's good, but some of them are just playing. So I want you to take all the guys down uh, to the water. And I want you to tell them to get some water. And everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps. You shall set apart, set apart by himself like everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lap putting their hands to their mouth was 300 men. So he ends up with only 300 men. So you know what the 300 men are? They are some rugged dudes. That's who they are. <laughs> They're guys that are looking, that have their eyes open, that are ready to go. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, this is a great time for me just to, you know, to disconnect. No. He has 300, somebody shout, only 300. 
give me 300 individuals that will overcome fear and we can defeat the enemy on every front. Come on. Give me 300. I, it's not about the numbers. It's about the fearlessness. The difference. 300 guys who are ready to go and fight. So, so what is... Here, here we go. I'm finished. All right. So I want you to get your sermon notes out and I want to ask you this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Go ahead. Get your notes out. Come on. You have pens. You have paper in your hands. So I'm going to ask you, what are you afraid of? What is the fear that you need to overcome? Go ahead and write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Have you written it down? Swiftly. Write it down. Come on. I know it hurts. I know it's been here all your life. I know it may come from inner wounds and from abandonment or abuse. You know, I, I want you to know that nobody in this house is going to accomplish the joyful things that you need to accomplish. Nobody is going to get to where God wants them to be as long as fear is controlling you. Somebody wave at me and say amen. amen. So, so sometimes people fail. Remember the story at Ai. Remember the Ai story. First time they went to Ai, they were defeated. Second time, they wiped them out. Some people are going to say, I am afraid because I was defeated in the past. And God is saying, I've got good news for you. You're not going to be defeated in the future. Are you ready? All right, now everybody stand up. Our time is gone. My altar team is going to come and prepare to pray. All right, so I want you to come. Singers, come and sing. Come on, let's give thanks to God because he's good. We thank you, Lord, because you're good. Did anybody write anything down? Yes. Wave at me if you wrote something down. You wrote something down. Good, good. All right. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Then we're going to pray for you. All right, just going to pray. But listen, we don't want to just pray for you. We want to talk to you. I want you to be able to communicate your fear. Expose it. When you expose your fear, you can deal with it. You ready? Here's some questions. What am I actually afraid of? What am I really afraid of? Really, what are you afraid of? Failure? What are you really afraid of? Am I afraid of the process? Or am I afraid of the result? Am I afraid that I may make a mistake? Am I afraid that I might mess this thing up? Am I even allowed to make mistakes? Will I give myself that possibility? What are you dealing with? Can I allow myself to feel an overwhelming feeling and know that it will pass? Fear. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? That overwhelming stress, that overwhelming anxiety. Am I, if I take a step Today, am I putting all my eggs in one basket and pressuring myself to, su to succeed on the first attempt? Or do I, am I going to start moving forward? Is there a way that I can do this better? Am I afraid of what another person might think of me? Am I just struggling with fear so heavily that I keep looking around the room wondering, I wonder if anybody else struggles in the same way that I struggle. When was the last time I felt fear? Like this. Will I even be able to handle this situation if I move forward? Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Ready? Read this with me. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this way, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is so are we in this world. Read this out loud. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Alright, I want you to bring whatever confession of fear that you have 
And let's start dealing with it right now. If you would like, there are individuals that are standing here that would be glad to hear what you're going through and to pray with you. All right? So move swiftly if you would. And we're going to have that prayer if you would like to come. If you don't, that's fine. I'm good with that. You don't have to. I'm not going to, you know, it's a big deal walking up front and all that. We have plenty of prayer workers. But more of my living waters, other team members come and help me in our prayer tasks. All right. How many needed this? Wave at me if you need this message today. Just wave at me. Some of you didn't. Okay. We're going to do something together before we leave. Just look up at the the screen. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray as a community. I hope you can see it's kind of small. We're going to pray together so that all of us can overcome fear. You ready? Let's make this commitment of prayer. I want you to start with the words, Abba, Father. Say it. Abba, Father. Say it. Abba, Father. Now pray with me. Right along with me. I confess to you that my heart and mind are filled with fear. This fear tries to control my life. Sometimes I feel unable to move forward. I choose to resist fear and embrace your love. Your word gives me confidence. You have overcome the world. I am loved by you. You have a purpose and plan for my life. Therefore, I will cling to you and trust fully in you. You will never fail me and you will never forsake me. You are my savior. I am protected by your love and sheltered by your grace. Today, I accept your presence in my life and reject the spirit of fear that has controlled me. Thank you for setting me free. I am sheltered by your love and protected by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give thanks to God. I want you to leave this place today with expectation. I want you to leave moving forward. I want your dreams to be fulfilled. I want fear to lose its ugly hold on your life. Somebody shout amen. Would you embrace somebody before you leave this house? Would you bless them? Love one another. If you're new to freedom, meet us in the hospitality room in the Welcome Center. We'd love to see you there. Go! Leave your fear. God bless you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. Sing.